America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man that says, if it ain't broke, borrow money from it. <laughs> it's Dale. <laughs> hey, what's going on, my friend? How are you, bud? Um, I'm, I'm pretty good. Maybe I need to be borrowing some money. <laughs> yeah, I need to borrow some money myself. <laughs> I need to find me a good loan officer with a low self-esteem or something. <laughs> yeah, no, slide it out the back door. That's it. There we go. All right, man. You got any shout-outs for us this week? Yeah, we got a few. I uh, got one. The guy been begging, so we'll just go ahead and give it to him so we don't have to charge for it. We got people do it begging on. for shout-outs? Yeah, we don't charge you to do it on Patreon. We'll just go ahead and give you one for free. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> anyway, we got a shout-out to old Tyler from Kayser. He's always on me about getting one, but that's okay. I thought he needs one. He really supports the show. He always listens, and he's bought a couple of shirts. So we really appreciate you uh, putting us out there, buddy, and uh, – I know you're on your way to Georgia today for some some stuff that ain't so fun to go do, but uh, thanks for repping. Yeah, you're always there for us. And uh, we'll go all the way across the pond back over to the U.K. and give a shout-out to Sally from uh, Kent, England. She uh, She's a good friend of the show, good friend of mine. She does all the graphics for a band called Air Force, who we'll talk about a few more in uh, just a few minutes. But anyway, I wanted to give her a shout-out and uh, appreciate everything you do, kiddo. And uh all right, so speaking of Air Force, they're getting ready to uh, have a short U.S. tour. These are all friends of mine, so I thought I'd give a little shout-out to those guys. Um, they're really good guys. If you're, if you're coming anywhere near you, check them out. We will post their dates on our, our media so you can check them out. They're they're great, uh, and, and they're definitely worth checking out. And speaking of killer bands, our, our buddy Paul Diano, uh, former Iron Maiden singer, good friend of mine, he is a... Uh, really a great guy and uh he uh, has been some exciting news lately he has a new album that just dropped uh january 31st it's a awesome it's a live album it was recorded actually in 2006 it's called uh hell over walter from uh, germany but uh yeah it just dropped the other day it's available on amazon and uh, all the streaming networks so if you're a Deanna fan get behind him and uh, spend a few bucks he can use it check it out guys he's uh he's got a little health some health issues and uh could use a few dollars so anyway get out there and help out and get yourself some some great rock and roll and uh with that let's uh let's roll on that's it dale we've got a case this week that we're going to talk about our last well we're doing a serial killer this week you had brought up a while back that you wanted to do a maniac yeah you wanted to cover a maniac and our last serial killer we did was Randall Woodfield. Right. And he was... He was a maniac. Oh, yeah. And, you know, lesser-known serial killer. And this one we're covering this week is a lesser-known serial killer. Right. We have a lot of people who always say, you know, I know you guys do a lot of disappearance, a lot of vanishing, a lot of stuff, and keeping it open, so but, uh, how about a killer? Let's get one. So we're going to deep in, and uh, we're going to give you one today. Yeah, this guy is a maniac. Ain't no doubt about it. And this is Robert Hanson. Robert Hanson. Robert Christian Hanson. 
And Dale, he was born on February the 15th, 1939, in Esterville, Iowa. He was born to parents Christian Hansen and Edna Hansen. And his father was a Danish immigrant, and he also ran a bakery. So it made me wonder if they had Danishes there at their bakery. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, they were there. Yeah. Kadoots. Yeah. I just I just thought about that, and I was like, yeah, he had a bakery, so he had Danishes, and he was Danish, so it would make sense to have a, a Danish at your Danish bakery. <laughs> but anyway, Robert Dale, when he was young, he was pretty much a nerdy-looking kid. I mean, I hate to say it, but he was skinny, painfully shy, and he had a stutter. Mm. And that didn't, that didn't help him that at all. That didn't help none. And he was, also had a severe case of acne, mm. which later in life, he even said his face was one giant pimple. Wow. Yeah, pretty, pretty bad. And the girls, they shunned him. You know, it, he just couldn't get a girlfriend. Well, you know, if you have one, one of those things, it's, it's, not, it's not good. But, well, you know, skinny might not be too bad. But <laughs> all those other ones, and then you just keep on piling on layer after layer it's it's not it didn't it's not a very good recipe no it's not a good mixture at all throughout robert's childhood he was described as being quiet and a loner and he had difficult relationship with his domineering father Uh, his father made him work in the bakery there that he owned and robert tended to be left-handed and they forced him to use his right hand that's crazy isn't it yeah and uh, needing to do and have to go right-handed and, or whatever he's doing just because uh, if you're naturally with whichever is your dominant hand everything feels so awkward oh yeah i mean i can't i can't throw a football left-handed no or, or well, i can but it, no, <laughs> it ain't pretty. it's not going very far at all but you know they said that i have heard too that you know if you're if you're forced to use your non-dominant hand it does tend to cause stuttering well you know it's a lot of trauma you know it is probably being badgered all the time about doing stuff and doing it against the way it feels right mm-hmm. now robert started to practice both hunting and archery and he found refuge doing that Dale, he loved the outdoors and he loved hunting now we're gonna move forward just a little bit to 1957 where robert enlisted in the united states army reserve and he served one year before being discharged and I've never heard if it was an honorable discharge or if it was a dishonorable. I'm, I didn't see that either. I was, I'm, I was, I'm just going to assume that it was an honorable, you know. Because it doesn't say it's not. That's it. Correct. So, and later he worked as an assistant drill instructor at a police academy in Pocahontas, Iowa. And there, then, Dale, he began a relationship with a younger woman, and he later married her in the summer of 1960. Move just a little bit forward to December the 7th, 1960. Robert Hansen was arrested, Dale, for burning down a Pocahontas County Board of Education school bus garage. Yeah, this is kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And they've said that this stems back to him the way he was treated in school. Yeah, probably. He probably had a little vendetta, you yeah. say. But he, he, Animosity toward the school. Right, yeah. The way he was treated. And didn't he uh, actually, I don't know if he was forced or coerced, then took one of his employees from the bakery to go he do did. it with him, right? Yeah. You know, a young kid. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that wasn't, a, that wasn't a good look for him. No. Uh-uh. And that, taking that kid will uh, kind of is his doom on this one because uh, later they got uh, got on the conscience and they kind of told on 
Yeah. Now, he was sentenced to three years in prison, but only served 20 months in the Anamosa State Penitentiary. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, I looked up some of these words before we, <laughs> before we started. Now, during that time when he was incarcerated, his wife divorced him. Yeah, she's out. Yeah. I didn't know what I signed up for. Yeah, she was she was out. They were all like on what married like three months and when he went Yeah, to and I I have looked it up and I can't find where she went or anything. I don't know anything about her. It was just she was gone. She'd had enough. Now be smart. Yep. Now during this incarceration Dale, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And at that time it was called manic depression. With uh periodic schizophrenic episodes. So he had some <laughs> He has some underlying issues, man. Right. Now, the psychiatrist who made this diagnosis noted that Robert had an infantile personality and was obsessed with taking revenge against people he felt had wronged him. There you go. That's a blooming right there. Yeah. I mean, they this they knew. Yeah. Back then in right 1960. Then, he was harboring a lot of feelings. He even, you can do what you want, but he's going to get you back. Yeah. I mean, I, I can imagine him, the way he was treated in high school or or even younger than that, being made fun of. Oh, yeah. Picked on, bullied. You know, he was he was a recipe for a disaster. I mean, being to be a serial he killer. He was a perfect target. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All right. Everything uh, added up. Now, Dale, over the next few years, he was jailed several times for petty theft. And in 1967, he moved to Anchorage, Alaska with his second wife, who he had married in 1963. And they also had two kids together. Now, and it, when, on the move to Anchorage, he was almost like turned around. He was well-liked by his neighbors. He set several local hunting records. Yeah. I mean, he was a big game hunter. So, so got a fresh start when they moved. To pretty Burton. much, pretty much, nobody knew him. And nobody knew his past, and then, and there he started a, a bakery business of his own. So, even though he had a rough childhood with his dad, he did learn something and learn a good trade. And apparently, he was really good at it. So, he opened up a bakery and called it Hanson's Bakery in a strip mall there in Anchorage. Yeah, and he they were actually thrived. They were very popular. Yeah, he doing was, very well with that bakery. So, yeah, making he, a lot of money, and he was a pillar of the community. So everybody thought exactly. Didn't even expect him to be a serial killer. No, <laughs> no, no, because a lot of the police force would go there and get their donuts and stuff. Well, that kind of sounds, what do you call it? Cliche. Cliche, but you know. Yeah, but I mean, he he was well respected. Good he donuts lot, is good donuts. A lot, of, a lot of good friends who were cops and hung out with them. Right. Now, in 72, Robert was convicted of assault. He was placed on a work release program after serving only six months in prison. And in 1976, he pleaded guilty to larceny after he was caught stealing a chainsaw. And he said that he was going to give this chainsaw to his father as a present. So where was his parents living at this time, do we know? I guess they were back, still back in Iowa. Right. So he's still a chainsaw from the local hardware department. Yeah. Okay. That he was going to give to his dad. And he was sentenced to five years in prison and required to receive psychiatric treatment for his bipolar disorder. And the Alaska Supreme Court reduced his sentence, and he was released with time served. So, ever so far, everything he's done is slap on the wrist. Yeah, pretty so much. He's got some time, and then they go, "Yeah, well, maybe not." Go on home. Yeah. So, what the longest he served was like a couple months or something, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. That kind of scene that kind of comes into play a lot. If you notice that. You oh know? yeah. Same thing with Woodfield. 
Yeah. Woodfield got off a lot. Right. And this is pretty much the same lines. Yeah. I'm traveling on the same road right here. Yep. Okay. All right. Now, we're going to move forward just a little bit more, Dale, to June 13th, 1983. And this is when 17-year-old Cindy Paulson escaped from Robert Hansen while he was trying to load her into his Piper Super Cub plane. Mm. Now, Robert did get a pilot license. He would uh, go out hunting. You know, he would take his plane, he would take his boat and different things out and go hunting. So this is where he went and done his trophy hunting. He would yeah. fly out in the wilderness and, and uh, look for big game. Exactly. Gotcha. Now, uh, Cindy escaped while he was trying to load her into his Super Piper Cub plane, and she told the police he had offered her $200 to perform oral sex, but that when she got into his car, he pulled a gun on her and drove her to his home in Muldoon, Alaska. Hmm. Now, there, Dale, he held her captive, tortured her, raped her, and sexually assaulted her. She mentioned that after he chained her by the neck to a post in the basement, Hanson took a nap on a nearby couch. Well, that's probably pretty tiring, tiring work. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. So, so where, where is the wife and kids at this time? How do you, how do you get away with the... We're going to get to that. Robert was notorious for sending them on vacations. Mm. He would uh, pack the kids and the wife up and send them off. So that's why he didn't have money to buy a chainsaw. He's always sending them up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was sending them on vacations and different things so he could. Okay, so they'd be gone for like wait, a week or so. And so then he would play. I yeah, guess would he say. would do his gotcha. okay. his dirty deeds. Like I said, you know, he would, he took a nap after he assaulted Cindy Paulson. Great. But during that time, she would notice things around the house there in the basement while she was chained up. She noticed all the deer heads on the walls, the trophies, the different things around. Right. Lots of taxidermied heads. Oh, yeah. I guess you'd say. His his trophies. Right. Now, when Robert woke up, Dale, he put her in his car and took her to Merrill Field Airport, where he told her he intended to take her out to his cabin, which was a shack on the Connick River and in the area that was only accessible by boat or bush plane. Wow. Yeah. And Cindy crouched down in the back seat of the car with her wrist cuffed in front of her body and she saw a chance to escape when robert was loading stuff into his the cockpit of his airplane right, yeah he left her in the car and hid down behind the seat and so he was taking all supplies and putting them in the plane it was a tiny plane too right yeah it was a, a cub's not very big right? piper like super club or something piper super cub right and this yeah it's just a very small single engine plane now while hansen's back was turned Cindy crawled out of the back seat, opened the driver's side door, and ran toward nearby 6th Avenue. Now, she later told police that she had left her blue sneakers on the passenger side floor of his car as evidence that she had been in the car. And Robert panicked and chased her, but Cindy made it to 6th Avenue and managed to flag down a passing truck, Dale. And the driver of that truck was Robert Yaunt. And he was alarmed by Cindy's appearance. She, I mean, she was barely dressed, hands cuffed, bleeding, and she looked disheveled. Mm. She was pretty rough shape. Well, I guess they've been chained up for who knows how long, maybe a week or so, and then yeah. pretty weak, chunked in the back of the car and scared to death. Yeah, and <clears throat> she told him she needed to go to the Mush Inn Motel. 
and he drove her there where she jumped out of the truck and ran inside and she pleaded with the clerk to phone her boyfriend at the big timber motel and then uh, robert yont who picked uh, cindy up continued on to work where he called the police to report you know he had found a barefoot woman who was handcuffed when the anchorage police department officers arrived at the mushy inn they were told that the young woman had taken a cab to the Big Timber Motel. Right, so she went in to the mush just to use the phone? Yeah. Okay, and then they called a cab and took her to the other hotel. Yeah, to the Big Timber Motel. Okay. Now, when the Anchorage Police Department arrived at the Big Timber, they found Cindy still handcuffed and alone. They took her to the headquarters, and there where she described the perpetrator. And Hanson, when questioned by the police department denied these accusations dale stating that paulson was just trying to cause trouble because she would not pay him for her extortion demands yeah he was saying that she was trying to charge him a lot of money and was just uh lying about the whole incident yeah it was just pretty much uh he said she said kind of thing you know because that's usually when you lie about something you always handcuff yourself and run around with <laughs> bleeding arms like you've been tied up for a week but mm-hmm. all right go ahead. all right now dale let's let's talk about this right here why you know they were sex workers and things like that around anchorage alaska at this time right at this time in our country's history they discovered oil in alaska yep and yeah and they would put in a pipeline and this area brought in big money yeah lots of money yeah. yeah workers everybody coming into work make big money yeah they were they had money to spend yeah unemployment was uh near zero Everybody was working. Everybody had money. So, you know what? When you got a lot of money in a certain area, especially out in the wilderness areas, you're bringing in a lot of a lot of more heat. Yep. So <clears throat> this time in Anchorage, Alaska, there was a lot of sex work going on. Yeah, brought in sex workers, topless dancers, the mob, drug dealers, anybody who's going to get some cash money, they was going to go get it. Yep. So that was what Robert was praying on. Right. Yeah. Although Hanson had several prior run-ins with the law, his meek demeanor and just his outward appearance and humble occupation as a baker, along with a strong alibi, because he had two friends that told him, the, the authorities, that they were with him that night. Right. You know, he was an outstanding member of the community as far as everybody knew. Yeah, church going. Business owner, lots of friends in town. So, it was just, like we said, it was just a... Like, plus tons of cops in his bakery shop every day you know so so it ain't like they didn't know who he was but they just didn't really know who he was so this kept him from being considered as a serious suspect and the case went cold right they even gave her a wanted to give her a polygraph instead of instead of him and she just got mad and said hell with it yeah they pretty much demeanored her as you're just a sex worker yeah why should we believe you yeah this guy cooks donuts yeah he feeds us (laughs) all right now, Detective Glenn Flothy of the Alaskan State Troopers had been part of an, a team of investigating the discovery of several bodies around Anchorage in the Seward area. The first of the bodies was found by construction workers near Eklutna Road. The body was dubbed the name Eklutna Annie because she had never been identified. And still to this day, she's never been identified. 
which which is sad yeah well with so many people coming in and out you know especially that kind of work you never know who's gonna they could just pop in for a while and be gone or just come in something happened to nobody even knew who it was to begin with that was local anyway Mm -hmm. so they'd say you know they're missing but they're not really missing they just left right because you know so they'd come in work a while alaska and get the hell out and go back down to the states down to portland or seattle and then you know maybe come back later or something make their money and leave right yeah now later that year the body of joanna messina was discovered in a gravel pit near seward and in 1982, the remains of 23-year-old Sherry Mara was discovered in a shallow grave near the Kinnick River. Flothy now had three bodies of what looked like one killer. Yeah. Everything looked similar, didn't it? Yeah. And in the grave of Sherry Mara, that's where they found the 223 caliber shell casing. Correct. Yeah. So... They were trying to find somebody that used that that caliber of bullet. Flothy contacted the FBI, and he talked to Special Agent Roy Hazelwood and requested them with the help of a criminal psychological profile. Now, this was new stuff back in back in the early 1980s, Dale, and nobody knew much about it. Right. Now, Special Agent Roy Hazelwood of the FBI thought the killer would be an experienced hunter with low self-esteem and have a history of being rejected by women and would feel compelled to keep souvenirs of his murders, such as jewelry and other artifacts. He also suggested that the assailant might stutter. That's crazy. Which was like, wow. Yeah, I mean, every little bit of everything you could think about this guy, he nailed it. Yeah, Detective Glenn Flothy of the state troopers talked to Hazelwood. He got to telling him what he knew about the the killer he said don't tell me about the killer tell me about the victims then i'll tell you about the killer wow yeah so he he pretty much nailed he nailed he nailed it plus the guy had a plane he described robert hansen to a t to a t yeah yeah float investigated possible possible suspects until he reached hansen who fit the profile and on a plane now supported by paulson's testimony and hazelwood's profile Flothy, along with the Anchorage Police Department secured a warrant to search Hanson's plane, vehicles, and home. Now, Dale, on October the 27th, 1983, investigators uncovered jewelry belonging to some of the missing women as well as firearms in a corner hideaway of Hanson's attic. They also found an aviation map that he kept with X's marked on it, which was hidden behind Hanson's headboard. Where he slept with his wife. Crazy. Yeah. The, yeah. That blew my mind when I heard that. Now, many of these marks matched the sites where prior bodies had been found. So, basically, he was just marking his hunting grounds on his aviation map. Yeah. Yeah. And they later discovered that some of those had been unexplored. <clears throat> now, when Robert was confronted with this evidence in his home, he denied it. And as long as he could, and eventually began to blame the women and and try to justify his actions. He even told them, you know, you know, I, I do have a, a past record. You know, I've been convicted of some of this stuff, but it doesn't have anything to do with my current life. Right. He denied everything, but eventually, Robert confessed to each of the item of evidence that was presented to him, and he admitted to a spree of attacks against Alaskan women starting as early as 1971. 
Hansen's earliest victims were young women, usually between the ages of 16 and 19, and not sex workers, unlike the victims who led to his discovery. Right. And so when we started, we said this guy was a maniac. And, you know, we kind of went through it there. But really, if you think about it, what this guy was doing, he would go out, he would find him a sex worker. He would, it didn't matter if it was there somebody in the topless bar, if he just picked the girl up off the street. He would offer her money to do whatever, say it was a photo shoot or some kind of sexual favor. He would get them in the car. Once they're in the car, he would pull a gun on them, take them back to his house, take them down in his basement, which he called his den. And most of the time, it was when his wife and kids were away, and a lot of times he called it his summer project. So that means he had a week or so by, by himself alone at home to do what he wanted to do. He would take them down in the basement. He would chain them to a pole, do what he wanted to, rape or whatever. For several days. For several days or up to a week, and always leave them chained, handcuffed to that pole <clears throat> or chained around the neck in a lot of cases. Then after he had them for the so long and they were in weakened condition and it was about time for the family to return, he would take them to the airport, put them in his plane, fly them out to the Canuck River to his hunting grounds. He would get out there and make them promises that he was going to let them go, sometimes stripping them down to nothing in handcuffs with only with a ace bandage around their eyes, sometimes just let them go. Like a blindfold or something? Yeah. So And, and it was even reported one that he said that it was just funny to him one time he let one go. She was naked handcuffed with an ace manager around her head and she just run around in circles screaming as he just stood there and watched her with his ruger 14 ready and then what he would do is once they ran he would let them run so far and he would shoot them in the leg he would take them down <clears throat> and then he would go on up and then he would shoot them several more times kill them like he was just hunting a, another animal yeah so anytime he said these sex workers a lot of times were not respectable women and he didn't see them as women he went to far as to even say that reason he paid for uh oral sex is uh that, that's something that he would not ask his wife to do because he didn't think that she was that would demean her to ask her to do such an act so he would go pay for it and then once they did that or he said oh, they took money for sex then that he seen them as lower people or even as low as animals and sometimes worse so that way he would go out and actually hunt them with his rifle and then so that that's pretty much why i say this guy was a maniac it's oh, yeah, just he's, crazy he's all the definition of a maniac right just hunting them like an animal and sometimes worse than hunting them alive because he would chain them up and get them so weak they couldn't get away if they, even if they had a chance but out in the middle of the wilderness you can imagine how cold it is out there and then you know and strip them down mm-hmm. handcuff them and then kick them in the back and say go and then what you just take off running through the woods praying you and they actually away, they're actually thinking go? they're getting away yeah but if you got away you're still not going to get away because you'd die from the elements in a couple of days i mean they were out in the middle of nowhere right yeah. crazy you could scream all you want nobody's going to hear you if anybody hears a rifle go off well there's somebody's hunting that's what they do out here anyway yeah no didn't know what he's hunting but yeah this guy was he was just too much brother yeah he was a bad dude. Now, once arrested, Robert was charged with assault, kidnapping, multiple weapon offenses, and theft and insurance fraud. Now, the last charge was related to a claim um, filed against an insurance company over some alleged trophies. Yeah, like heads. Yeah, right. people had broken into his house and stole some Someone deer his prize deer heads and stuff. Just uh, award winning or whatever. Yeah world record whatever it was yeah but the insurance fraud came after they discovered that you know he had hid these trophies in his backyard and he used that money to buy that super cub airplane i was wondering where he got all that money to buy buy a plane but that makes sense yeah 
After ballistics tests returned a match between bullets found at the crime scene and Hanson's rifle, he did enter into a plea bargain. And he pleaded guilty to four homicides. And they were for Mara, Messina, Goulding, and including Annie. But we're going to go over the the list of victims. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, those were the four that he <clears throat> pleaded guilty to. Yeah, he pleaded guilty in return for serving his sentence in a federal prison along with no publicity to the press. So he wants to kick back and lay up in the federal pen the rest of his life. And this is one reason you don't hear much about this case at all because he didn't want any publicity on this. So that was one of the bargains he had. So that's why you don't hear much about Robert Hansen. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Most most serial killers they want to press. Oh, they, they want, want all the attention to know what I did, but I mean look at Charles Manson. He loved anytime he could talk to the press. Right. They'd come into prison and talk to him. He loved that stuff. And even uh Ted Bundy. They got off on it. It was like a it was a big deal for them. Right. All right, Dale. Another condition of the plea bargain was his participation in deciphering the markings on the aviation map and locating his victims' bodies. Robert confirmed the police theory of how many of the women were abducted, adding that he would sometimes let the potential victim go if she convinced him that he would not report them to police. And he indicated that he began killing in the early 1970s, like we said. He showed investigators 17 grave sites in and around south-central Alaska, 12 of which were unknown to investigators. Wow. Just from that map they found behind his headboard. Um, there remain marks on the map that refused to give up, including three in Resurrection Bay near Seward. The authorities believe some of these belong to the graves of Mary Thiel, Megan Emmerich, of whom Hansen had denied killing. I don't know. You know, they were they were marked on his map, but he denied killing them. Yeah, I wonder why he wouldn't just go ahead and say, you know, because I mean they already got him. Why not go ahead and admit to all of them? Yeah, I know. But and the remains of twelve of a probable twenty-one victims were exhumed by the police and returned to their families. So that's that's pretty good news. All right, Dale. Now Robert Hansen was sentenced by jury to four hundred and sixty-one years plus life in prison. So, without the possibility of parole. So, he's not getting out. Now, he was first in prison in the United States Penitentiary in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. And in 1988, he was returned to Alaska and briefly incarcerated at Lemon Creek Correctional Center in Juneau. And he was also imprisoned at Spring Creek Correctional Center in Seward until May 2014, where he was transported to the Anchorage Correctional complex for health reasons hmm. so i don't i don't know why what health reasons he had or what ailments he had i hadn't seen that either but i just saw that they moved in there because they had a medical facility on on, on site yeah and robert hansen died on august the 21st 2014 at the age of 75 at the alaska regional hospital in anchorage like we said due to undisclosed and lingering health conditions which, I mean, that was a bad dude. All right, now, some of the known victims over this span of time was uh, Lisa Futrell, 41. They found her body with Hanson's help. So that was obviously one of his victims. 
Malaya Larson was 28, Sue Luna, Tammy Peterson, Angela Federn, Teresa Watson, and uh, Delian Sugar Sugar Frey was uh, discovered on August 20th, 1995, by a pilot testing new tires on a sandbar on the Knick River. Mm. Paula Goulding. Her body was admitted and acknowledged was found by Hanson. Andrea Fish Altery, Sherry Mara, Eklutna Annie, which the one we said was still not been identified. Never been identified. Joanna Messina was admitted and the body was found. Another one that was unknown was Horseshoe Harriet that was found with Hanson's help and her true identity has never been discovered. That's a shame. Yeah. Another one was Roxanne Eastland, Cecilia Beth Van Zanten, who was just 17. Uh, another 17-year-old was Megan Emmerich and Mary Thiel. Now, these last three, they were denied by Hanson, but they, they had an X on the map. Yeah, he, he had marked them on the map, but he, he denied he had killed them. Yeah. And like we said, of these 17 women, Hanson only formally charged with the murders of Sherry Mara, Joanna Messina, Eklutna Annie, and Paula Goulding. And he was also charged with kidnapping and rape of Cindy Paulson, who survived. Yeah, who was really the only reason they caught the guy. Yeah, the main reason. All right, Dale, they made a movie about this, which is uh, entitled The Frozen Ground. And if you have a chance, check it out. It's really good. It's a pretty good movie. Yeah, we had a chance to watch it, and it's actually pretty accurate. Yeah. I mean, there's some Hollywood to it, but it's uh, it stars John Cusack, who plays Robert Hansen, uh, along with Nic- Nicolas Cage and Vanessa Hutchins, who yep. played Cindy Paulson, the right. survivor. Yeah, and uh, 50 Cent. 50 Cent's in yeah, that movie. He's, yeah. a, <laughs> he's, he's a pimp in that movie. He's a pimp in that movie. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was a, a pretty well. I heard a couple of people trashing the movie, but myself, I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big Nick Cage fan. And I thought it was a really good movie. So, like we said, Robert Hansen was a was a maniac, a lesser known serial killer maniac. Right. All right, that's the uh, the tale of Robert Hansen. Anything you want to add to them to this? Uh, what do you think? Uh. I think it was a good one. Uh, I'm glad uh, we had a chance to do it today. I hope you guys liked the, the serial killer edition here we had today. Um, I want to throw out a big go check out our Facebook, check out our Instagram. If you have a Twitter, check it out. Go on there and give us some reviews and some likes. Uh, go check out our website. We got some new shirts up on the merch in the store. Just click the store link. It'll take you there to show you the new designs and check them out. And, and uh, Help the show, guys. Yeah. We appreciate, you. we appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. We're gaining listeners by the day. Lots of downloads, and uh, we can't thank you enough. Absolutely. Appreciate each and every one of you. And with that, we're going to move on. Let's roll out. All right. We want everyone to be safe, be careful, and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is The The Crack Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.